And just uh, a couple more, we don't have them on the screen, but um, over 40 million adults, 20% of the population in America, have an anxiety disorder, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. And according to that same bureau, uh, about a third of adults, so over 33%, uh, reported anxiety or depression symptoms in 2023. Um, so it's, it's all over our culture and our society. Everybody, um, and, and if you are not one of the people who is dealing with one of those issues, my guess is that you know someone who does, just statistically. Uh, and, and here's the other reason why I want to talk about it today. This is important for you to know. Um, for, for me, those aren't just statistics. Um, I'm actually one of those statistics. I actually uh, have had a lot of struggle in my life with depression and anxiety. Um, it's a, a journey I'm still learning about myself and, and learning how to deal and cope and what all of that means for me and the root causes of some of that for my life. But uh, for me, anxiety is one of the big things that I struggle with. And it looks a little different most people uh, who know me, I don't think would, would consider me a, a very anxious person. I don't have panic attacks. Um, externally, I look actually pretty calm and like I'm in control or have things together most of the time. But uh, internally, my mind is just chaos. Like it's just out of control. And I struggle with uh, like doomsday scenarios of like worst possible situations for my family. I struggle with fears of failure or not measuring up in certain ways. Um, I have a lot of anxiety around looking uh, foolish in front of people, which I wish I would have known about myself before I became a preacher. <laughs> um, doesn't go well always. Um, and I don't have anxiety like before I get up to preach. It's always after the fact. It's like, why did I say that or whatever? Um, and so for me, it, it's this internal struggle. And, and my therapist, he says it's, it's something called high performance or um, high functioning anxiety. Most people think you're fine and internally you're just like a, a total wreck. And that's the way it, it presents for me. Um, and, and my guess is that for many of you in this room, those aren't just st statistics either. Uh, my guess is that for many of you, that's maybe part of your struggle in, in one of these mental health areas, uh, or you know someone. And, and chances are this, if you have children, um, it, it seems like mental health issues are just like increasingly on the rise for young people and getting worse and worse. And so it's an important topic for the church uh, to talk about. And here's the last thing I'll say before we kind of dive in. If you're sitting here thinking, yep, this is not for me. I'm going to take a nap like Landon, and this is great. I just get a morning nap before like playoff games this afternoon or whatever it might be. Uh, I just want to say this. There are other people in the room who are struggling. And if you are not someone who is struggling, they need you. Uh, they need you to know what the struggle is like, and they need you to be a support. And so I, I hope that this is a, a conversation today that's actually impactful and meaningful uh, for all of us as we dive in uh, to this topic. So uh, well, all those caveats aside, kind of my personal story. Um, well, all right, one more thing, all right, before we get in. Uh, I, I need you to know this. It is, I think there's, there's so many times in the church where people get up on the stage and they talk about things that they struggle with, and, and they use this phrase, I used to have this problem, or I used to struggle with this. And it's always past tense. It's always something that's in our past that we've overcome or that we found freedom from, or maybe God showed up and fixed, or whatever it might be. And, and I'm not dogging those stories. I love stories of freedom. I believe God. God steps into situations and can heal and bring freedom and wholeness to people. I just need you to know that's not where I'm coming from today. This is very much a current uh, struggle, a current reality that I'm trying to, to figure out and understand where God is in the midst of it. So the, the wisdom that I think scripture has to offer us today is just as much for me um, as it is for you, hopefully. So ready to dive in? All right. 
great. So we're going to start out and look at the, uh, the wisdom of Scripture for how to not um, be anxious or how to deal with anxiety or mental health issues. And Paul starts out and he says, do not be anxious about anything, which does not feel very helpful, right? Like, let's just be honest. If you've ever struggled with anxiety or any kind of mental health and someone's like, yeah, just don't do that anymore, that doesn't feel great. In fact, it really reminds me of the old Mad TV skit with uh, Bob Newhart. Does anyone know what I'm talking about, the Stop It? If you don't know, take a look at the screen and you'll see what I'm talking about. I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most We find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes. S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> yes. Then stop it! I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, no, no. No, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop it. <laughs> Oh, man. So is that the best Paul has for us is just stop it? Just like, don't be anxious. Just, you know, move on with your life. Stop worrying and, and just figure it out. Like, is that really the best wisdom Scripture has for us on mental health or anxiety or the things we struggle with? And, and I've got to be honest, uh, growing up in the church, and I grew up in Texas church particularly, uh, I, gotta, I gotta say, it felt, yeah, a couple people know what I'm talking about. Uh, it felt like that a lot of times. If you talked about depression or anxiety, and we maybe didn't even have those words, but if you just like told someone you were sad, they would just say, stop it. You just need to pray more. If you're worried about something, just stop worrying. You just need to trust God and pray more. And it can feel like we come to this passage that says, don't be anxious, but in every situation, pray and, and offer a petition and thanksgiving to God that the, the solution Paul is offering for us is don't be anxious, like you should never be anxious about anything in your life. And if you do get anxious, if that happens to you, like just pray and then you won't be anxious anymore. And that can kind of be the formulaic approach that we take to this verse and to mental health when we come to passages of Scripture. And we treat them almost like promises that, that this wisdom Paul has to offer for us is just to, hey, stop it, cut it out, and if you really can't do that, pray about it, and then God will stop it for you. And the problem with that is that if you live in that world of anxiety or depression or any kind of, of mental struggle, you know that it's not that simple. And in fact, Scripture is not that simple either. 
it's fascinating to me that we can sometimes just pluck these verses out of context and say like, yep, it's just this formula. If you're worried, then pray, and then you won't be worried anymore. But if you look at scripture, I mean, so many heroes of the faith dealt with anxiety or depression or discouragement or other sorts of mental health things. In fact, Paul himself in 2 Corinthians, he's got this whole list in chapter Eight, where he's talking about all of the challenges of being a pastor to this church and, and all of the concerns he's had, all the suffering he's been through. And he's talking about how he's been shipwrecked and marooned on an island and he's been beaten and flogged and he's gone hungry and he's gone thirsty. And then he finishes this whole list off by saying this, on top of all of that, I carry with me the deep anxiety and burden for the churches every day. It's the exact same word in this passage. So if Paul was anxious, then why here is he saying just don't be anxious? But it actually goes even deeper than that. If you look at the life of Jesus, when he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he's crucified, the night he's betrayed, we're told that he goes into the garden, and as he begins to pray, he's full of sorrow and troubled. And that word troubled is the exact same root word that Paul uses in this passage, that Jesus had anxiety. And more than that, do you remember what Jesus was doing in Gethsemane when he had anxiety? He was praying. And so clearly the the wisdom from Scripture is not that if you just feel anxious, just pray about it and it will get better. I don't think any of us would come to Jesus before he goes to the cross and say, Jesus, you really just need to stop worrying about it and just pray a little more. Right? Like that's not the solution. And so what is the solution that Paul is offering here? When he says, don't be anxious, is it really as simple as we just need to stop having anxiety? Or is it something deeper? And I think what I would like to suggest to you this morning is that Paul is not saying that if we uh, struggle with anxiety, that we always have to struggle with anxiety. I think a, a paraphrase or a way of kind of getting at the heart of what he's saying is that anxiety does not have to win in your life. If you are a person who is anxious or struggles with mental health or, or struggles with, with any of those issues, it does not have to define your existence. Sometimes when we are stuck in those places, it can feel like there is no end in sight, there's no way out, and this is just our lot in life and, and what will be true of us forever, that we have no ability or no, no, no way to overcome the challenges we face. And I think what Paul is offering here is a lifeline to say anxiety does not have to win. Whatever struggle you are dealing with does not have to characterize and define your reality. When I think of anxiety, I often think of, of my daughter Camden, and, uh, and not because she's an anxious child, she's not, but because uh, she loves to spin in circles. Um, anyone seen a kid just like run around in circles like a crazy person? Uh, I don't understand how they do it. I, I watch them go like twice in a circle, and I think to myself, like, if I did that, I would probably throw up or pass out, like one of the two. Like, I just won't be able to do that. But she can just run in circles or like on in, and she'll sometimes ask me to spin her in circles. And, and here's why it makes me think of anxiety. is so much of anxiety, that, that, that worry that we feel, that anxiety anxiety we carry within us about the the meeting we have on Monday or the situation that's coming up in our lives or maybe it's a conversation we feel like we need to have that we don't know how to have or maybe it's something going on in our kids' lives that we feel like we don't have control over. 
Or, or maybe it's something that we know that is going on with our parents and there's no way we can fit. Like all the places we feel that anxiety, worry presents itself like running in circles continuously. There's so much motion and momentum and effort and energy and nothing is solved and you don't actually go anywhere, right? That's what anxiety feels like. And I think what Paul is saying is that when we fill ourselves with worry, when when we're just, we're not actually solving the problem we're dealing with, we're just expending all sorts of energy trying to accomplish something and, and actually all we're doing is sitting with the problem and not achieving anything. In fact, Jesus puts it this way, don't, don't be anxious because who can add to their days from a moment of worry? It, it doesn't actually solve the problem. And we can get all worked up about the situations or circumstances we're facing. We can expend all of this energy. And anxiety doesn't actually get better, it just deepens and gets worse and burns us out. And Paul is saying we don't have to spin in circles. We don't don't have to just extend ourselves in that same way. We don't just need to stop worrying and pray more, but we don't have to live with anxiety as the reality of our life. And if you hear nothing else that I say today, I need you to hear this. Waterstone is not a church that thinks you just need to pray away your troubles and that if you have mental health issues, they're just spiritual issues that you need to trust God more for. We fully believe in using and resourcing mental health professionals, doctors, medication, all of the tools that are available to us to help with these different things we struggle with. Mental health is not just a spiritual issue. So many times mental health has deep roots in our stories and our traumas and our past and the things that we deal with on a daily basis. Just praying those things away doesn't solve them. And just think about it like this. If you break your arm and someone from this church tells you, hey, don't go see a doctor and definitely don't take Advil, like how are you gonna respond to them? That's crazy. Like we have medicine and medication to help with those things. It's the exact same thing with mental health. Is there are doctors and professionals and therapists. We have on our care page at Waterstone, we have an entire resource list of mental health professionals, counselors, coaches, licensed people, um, psychiatrists who can help with all of these things. And we will pay for you to go see those people if money is an issue. We do not believe that if you are suffering, you have to suffer in silence and just hope God shows up in your life to fix the problem you're dealing with. Do we believe that God can heal physically? Yes. Do we believe that God can heal mental health issues? Yes. But we do not have to limit ourselves to only trusting God in those situations. God uses doctors and medicine to heal people all the time. And so why would we limit ourselves when it comes to mental health as well? So I will say this, if you are someone who is struggling in that area and you feel like you don't have a way out or help, Larry, myself, uh, Melanie, who's our, our care resident, they would love to meet with you, talk with you, and resource you to a professional who might be able to assist you in that way. So if I'm right, and the Apostle Paul is not just saying, don't be anxious, just stop it, and, and that we actually have things available to us to, to get help. What is the wisdom this passage has for us, this verse has for us, about how to deal with anxiety or the struggles that we face? Well, he goes on in, in verse 6, and he says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
So Paul's second way of dealing with anxiety, the the second piece of wisdom for dealing with anxiety he has for us is pray about everything, which feels a little bit like bait and switch, right? Everything I just said was that you don't just have to pray, and it's not just about prayer, and there's other resources available to you. So now you're saying that Paul's solution is just to pray more? Like, what are we talking about? Stick with me for just a moment, because if you look at the text, there's two really important phrases. There's two action phrases that, that kind of stand above the rest of this passage. And when you look at the verses, it, it begins by saying this. Uh, can we throw the verse back up? Thank you. Do not be anxious about anything. There's the action phrase. It, it, it's a verb. It's telling you what to do about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, the second action phrase, present your requests to God. That second action phrase, the, the, the verb there is actually more akin to uh, uh, make known to God your requests or, or reveal to God the things that you're dealing with. Now, why in the world would Paul say that you need to reveal to an all-knowing God who, who knows everything about your life, the struggles that you're going through? Well, why would his advice or, or wisdom for anxiety be to, to reveal those areas that you're struggling with to a God who knows everything? If God already knows our situations and our circumstances and the things that we're going through, why do we need to reveal those things to him? I think Paul knows something deep about the human condition that we can all tend to struggle with. Because I think we all have a propensity at times to forget that God is with us in the circumstances and situations we find ourselves in. I haven't been a pastor for very long, but I can tell you that from most of my conversations with people and most of the times when they let me into some of their struggles or their internal world and the realities that they face, it is most of us feel like those areas where we're struggling, whether it's a trauma from our past, something to do with our identity, some circumstance we're facing, we kind of treat those things like the elephant in the room in our relationship with God. We, we treat those things like, yeah, we, we shouldn't really let God know about those things. That, that we somehow have to find a way to fix those things ourselves. That, that we just need to muster up enough faith or enough courage or that if we just believe a little more or we just pray a little more or whatever, that, that, that if we just fix it ourselves, that either God does not care or does not know about that or we don't want him to know about that. And so we fill ourselves with with shame or anxiety about the very things we're struggling with because we don't want to let God in. God already knows, and if it matters to you, it matters to God. But I think what Paul is getting at is that God is wanting us to invite him into the places we struggle, whether that's through prayer or or petition. That that word for petition is, is desperation. God is wanting to be invited into the places that we're struggling. And so Paul tells us to reveal those places to God. God genuinely cares about the areas of our life where we are struggling. And I think so many of us can fall into this trap where we forget God in the process. And I think so many times, a way to to think about this is to ask yourself, where do you turn first when a situation or a struggle or maybe anxiety or depression or those things arise within you? Do you turn to Google or to God? Like, what's the authority or the resource? What's your first place that you turn to? See, I think for myself, what happened is I grew up hearing so much about you just have to pray the anxiety away. And then I grew up and I found out there was such a thing as like a therapist and and talking to someone about my problems really helped. 
and, and all of the resources available. And somewhere along the way, I forgot that God is with me in the therapy room or, or that God is with me in the places that I'm struggling. I, I don't just have to figure it out on my own that God wants to be invited into those places. And even if we need therapy or medication or other resources to come around us and all of those things are good, God still wants to be invited into those spaces and work with us and carry our burdens in those spaces. So here's something I'm learning over the last few years. That God is strong enough to carry whatever it is that is crushing you. And he wants to carry your burdens. He wants to be invited into the places where you are struggling. This, uh, this last week, I was talking with Camden on the way to school. And I'm, I just have to apologize to the friend. I have two illustrations for my kids. And uh, that's just my whole world right now. Like, I'm not going out with friends or anything like that. So all of my illustrations are just coming from my kids. So I'm sorry. But uh, I was talking with Camden. We were driving on the way to school. And we were having this conversation. I don't even know where it came. Uh, just out of the blue, she goes, Dad, you're, you're pretty strong. But you're not that strong. I gotta admit, like, kind of hurt the pride a little. I was like, oh, wow, okay. Uh, can you, like, what? <laughs> like, this is out of nowhere. Kids can be so brutal. And I was like, can you just tell me, like, what, what do you mean I'm, I'm not that strong? It's okay. Like, my pride's not hurt. It's fine. And, uh, and she goes, well, like, you can lift heavy things, but you can't lift, like, really heavy things. So I was like, okay, sure, that is true. Like, what? Give me an example. And she's like, well, you could lift like really big rocks. You love to throw rocks in the river with me and they're really big rocks. Or you can lift my backpack and carry it into school. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I can do the backpack. Awesome. And then she goes, but you can't lift like the church. And I was like, oh, all right, we're good. We're good. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to lift the church for you to think I'm strong. That is totally fine. Um, but it is true that I can carry her backpack and I do that pretty well. And in fact, most days when we come to school, she's got her books and her lunch and her water bottle and her snowshoes right now, and her backpack feels too heavy for her. And so almost every day we get out of the truck and we start walking and she's like, Daddy, will you carry my backpack for me? And every single time I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So I want to carry things for her. And she knows that I'm strong enough to carry the load that she can't carry. You see, and, and I think sometimes we forget that about our Heavenly Father, that, that whatever you feel like is so overwhelming, the weight of whatever it is you're carrying that is crushing you, God can carry like it's nothing. Do we turn to him and trust him with those things? I, I think what Paul is getting at is, is there's an invitation for us with the things that are weighing us down to invite God into those spaces so we simply don't have to carry those burdens alone. And you see, what I'm finding out more and more and more about myself is that when I invite God into those spaces, it doesn't just magically make the burden disappear, but it does change how I interact with and see the burden. We all have a choice in how we choose to deal with anxiety or depression or the issues that we face and the struggles that we face. Do we choose to invite God into those spaces? And like I said earlier, for me, this is not just some like theoretical wisdom, like it's out there. This is the reality that I'm living and working and struggling through and, and, and don't always get right. 
There's a moment in my life a, a few years ago where it, it was a season where I was just so overwhelmed with anxiety and feeling like I was a failure in every area of my life and I, I, things felt like they were out of control and I couldn't just get on top of things. I, I felt like things were just, I was in that state of spinning. And I couldn't figure out a way forward. It felt so overwhelming. I didn't know how, I just wanted things to stop. I remember there was a moment, um, and please just have grace for me as I, I share this. I actually didn't plan on sharing this this weekend, and last night I felt like I needed to, and I, I will again today. There was a moment I was driving in that season, and I just felt like the, the weight of all of the, the things that I was carrying. And I, I had this moment where I thought, at what speed would I have to be driving to, to not take my life? I didn't want to end things, but just to like hit the median hard enough that I could just be in the hospital for a couple of months and things could just stop. That, that I just wouldn't have to keep trying to keep it all together. And thankfully, uh, I couldn't do the math to figure out that equation. <laughs> and so I pulled into my destination and I turned off my car and I just started, I just prayed. And I, oh, the only prayer I had was, God, I need you. I need you. And I had no other prayer to offer. I had no solution. I had nothing else to say. It was just, God, I need you. And the cry was literally like, I can't carry this anymore. And that simple prayer was enough. And it didn't magically solve all those problems. It didn't change my relationship with anxiety. In many ways, it was just the start of a journey. But I told a friend about that moment, and he said, you need to talk to someone and so I started going to therapy, and, and I started letting people into that struggle. Because here's the other thing that we miss about this passage, is that when Paul says, share your requests with God, the you're there is plural. It is not individual. It's not that you are just supposed to go away in a room somewhere and pray about things until God fixes them in your life. It is that you collectively are a community of people who share one another's burdens and bring them to God. And it's that simple prayer of, God, I need you. I can't carry this myself. That, that it begins to open up our relationship to those areas of struggle. And while it may not solve them, what you need to hear today is God is big enough for that moment. You do not have to hide those things for him. You can reveal them to him and allow him to step into those spaces and show you what he can do. He can bring healing and wholeness. Anxiety does not have to win. Depression does not have to win. The circumstances you are facing do not have to define your reality. Jesus alone defines your reality. And it is also not the, the intensity or clarity or, or depth of the faith you offer in those moments. I think sometimes when it comes to prayer and thinking about offering it, it was just like, well, man, I don't know if I actually believe that God will show up enough. I don't know if I have enough faith. I don't know if my prayer is the right thing. And it is not about how well you pray or how deep you pray or even how deeply you believe that God will show up in your life. It is not an amount of faith that determines God's action in your life. D.A. Carson, he has a, a phenomenal illustration about this. I think it's phenomenal. Maybe you'll hear it and think it's terrible, but I need to give him credit because it's his and not mine. And he, he talks about uh, this illustration of going back to, the, to the, the land of Egypt and Israelites before the first Passover 
before the angel of the Lord is going to sweep through the, the nation of Egypt and, and take out every firstborn who doesn't have the blood of the lamb over the door. And there's two uh, Jewish uh, he- Hebrew men who are talking with one another before this event is about to happen. It's all fictional. Um, and it, he says that, that their names are Bob and Larry, uh, two remarkable Jewish names, right? And I think he was just ripping off Veggie Tales or something. I don't know. But he, he says Bob and Larry are having a conversation. And, and Bob comes to Larry and he says, man, I, are you feeling worried about tonight? I feel so nervous about this evening and, and, and what God is, is going to do. It feels really scary. And, and Larry responds to him, what are you talking about? Like, God told us what to do. He said, you, you kill the lamb, you put the blood over the doorpost, and then you pack all of your things, and you get ready to go, and you, you have the Passover meal with your family, and he's going to show up, and what is there for you to worry about? My response is, well, yeah, uh, yeah, he did, he did say all that, and I, I've done that, but I mean, just think about what's happened the last few months around here. We, we had flies that like filled the skies and fire fall from heaven, and, and the, the rivers turned to blood. Like, this has been weird. This has been intense. And you have three sons, so maybe if you don't do it right and you lose one, but you still have two, I only have one son. I'm, I'm worried about what might happen to him. I feel nervous and scared. And the first responds and says, ah, bring it on. I trust in the promises of God. And then the angel of the Lord passes through that night, and the question is, which of the two was saved? And which lost their son? And the answer is neither. Neither lost their son because it is not about the clarity or intensity of their faith. It is the object of their faith. You see, it's not about how deeply we believe God shows up in our lives. God does not rescue us based on how deeply or intensely we trust him. God shows up because he's a good and loving father who shows up for his children who need him. And he's willing to carry our burdens. And so as we close the service today, the, the band's gonna come out and they're gonna to sing a song um, that I would encourage you to, to respond in whatever way you maybe feel led. You can, you can pray in this moment, you can sing along, you can just listen to the words and hear them. But this is what I I want to invite you into today, is we have prayer, people, men and women who have have offered and volunteered to to pray all week for this service, and who have offered to pray with you today. And they're around the room in the back, they have a red lanyard, so it's really clear who is offering prayer today. Uh, We have two people up front uh, who are going to be willing to to offer anointing. If if you're a person who, who getting up and walking across the room for someone to pray with you feels like the most terrifying thing you could even possibly imagine, I need you to know this. In this space, no one is without struggle. Not a single one of us doesn't have a burden that is too big for us to bear. And so no one is going to look at you if you go for prayer this morning and think, oh man, like, yep, I bet that person's got some stuff. That's not our heart posture. We want to create space where we can share one another's burdens before the Lord and invite him into the things that we cannot carry ourselves. And so I would invite you today, if you just simply want to come forward and have someone anoint your hand with oil, and they're simply going to pray a a simple prayer of, Holy Spirit, pour yourself out and carry their burden. 
if you would actually like to share some, with someone a little bit about what's going on, we have people in the back who'd be more than willing to pray for you, to hear what's going on, and to offer prayer. And here's what I, I think I see in these moments when this happens, is that so often, even when we are, are too scared to say everything that is going on, it doesn't matter if we do the act of going to someone's pray, the Holy Spirit is large enough in these moments to know what is going on with you and someone else will pray the thing that is exactly what you need to hear because our God is that good. And so I would encourage you in this moment, if you are carrying something that feels too big for you to bear, go to one of these places and allow someone to pray for you. Invite God into that space. It can be as simple as God, I need you. And let's see what he might do. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, as we step into this space, God, I know there are so many people in this room and and maybe even those uh, joining us online. God, we all have things in our life that, that feel too much for us at times. I I pray that we would take the wisdom of Paul seriously. That that sometimes all it is is an invitation into this space. It may not solve the issue, but God, it definitely changes our interaction with it. God, I pray that uh, the words Paul closes this passage with would be true for us today that when we come to you in prayer, when we offer our petition and our thanksgiving, when we bring our anxiety and our worries and our struggles to you, that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, that goes beyond our imagining, would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. God, we give this moment to you. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. I invite you now to stand and respond in whatever way you feel led.